listening to the Business of Baking podcast with Michelle Green, the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind. If you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those, then you're in the right place. This is an honest, straight-talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business. Fueled by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Business of Baking podcast, and today is a sparkly, sprinkly kind of day. And if you know me at all, you know that I love sprinkles because firstly, they're part of my branding. You can see them on the top of the Business of Baking blog, and I use it in all my branding for this podcast. The background is, is rainbow sprinkles. Like I even sign my emails with really Ooh. cheesy things like, with love and rainbow sprinkles, Michelle. And on a personal level, I can actually eat them out of a jar, especially the long ones, which I think sometimes Americans call jimmies. You know, those little long ones, they're like super yummy to just eat. (laughs) And if we're talking about eating them, then one of my favorite Australian treats is actually this thing called freckles, which is like a little chocolate button covered in sprinkles. In fact, I think they call them snow caps in America. So, you know, like sprinkles are my thing. I love them. So I'm excited, especially today, to be talking to somebody who gets to spend their entire working life surrounded by sprinkles. And I'm pretty sure that if I wasn't doing this, then that would be my dream job because, hello, sprinkles. Hello. I would just eat at breakfast. Like, I would put sprinkles on my cornflakes is what I'm saying. And I think probably the only downside to her company is there's probably, like, a lot of sweeping. I feel like there would be a lot of sweeping. <laughs> so without further ado, I am introducing you guys to Elizabeth Butts, who owns Sprinkle Pop, which also cool name, just quietly. So Sprinkle Pop is a sprinkle mix company located in Texas in the United States, and it's been open and operating since the spring of 2017. So it's a business baby, but it already grew out of its diapers because it went from being a home-based business to being based in a warehouse pretty darn quickly. But I'm going to get her to tell us about that. But a little bit about Sprinkle Pop in general is they make custom sprinkle mixes as well as their own blends. And if you have not seen them, I highly recommend that after this podcast, you go and look and don't say I didn't warn you when you spend a billion dollars on the cutest sprinkles in the world. And they ship them globally and they do retail as well as wholesale. And it's a super cool business. So without further ado, hello, Lit. Hi, Michelle. I'm so excited to have you here because this means I get to hang out with somebody who hangs out with sprinkles. And I feel like it's like one degree of separation from a warehouse full of sprinkles. (laughs) And you're right. I do a lot of sweeping. A lot. A lot. lot. I'm not volunteering (laughs) for that part. Can I do all the other parts though? (laughs) Yeah, you can come be my sprinkle fairy. Okay, here's what I really want to do. I want to get like a whole box of sprinkles and I just want to like dig my hands in it and just like play. That's like literally, I mean, when we mix sprinkles, we just do it in like a 20 quart bowl, 30 quart bowl and just like put our gloves on and mix them up. And it's really therapeutic, actually. Well, you know, there's actually a real thing in that. So one of my kids has Asperger's and when she was really little, we used to do a whole bunch of sensory stuff with her. And one of the things we do was take a big giant plastic box fill it with rice and just let her push her hands into it and play with it and like run it through her fingers and dig in it and whatever. And that actually is totally a sensory thing. So I'm not surprised that it's legitimately therapeutic. Hey, business idea here. You could have like, ther- <laughs> you could have like the therapy hour where people just come in and there's like tinkly music playing and they just get to dig in sprinkles all day. I'm not going to lie. I feel like people would legit do that. <laughs> I, you know what? So do I. And I feel like we just invented something really cool. <laughs> we might have. 
like sensory playtime for grownups. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Before I get way too off track, which always seems to happen with me, tell me the story. Tell me your story. How did you get started? How did this all happen? How did you end up with a sprinkle therapy company? Sure. So I have been a cake decorator for over 15 years, which everyone kind of like jaw drops when I say that because I'm only 30. So I've been cake decorating since I was in high school. And I, you know, I did it during college. I did it when I graduated and I was working a full-time job in the oil and gas industry for seven, eight years. And then about, let's say December, January, January, 2017, I was just working on a baby shower cake and I wanted a very specific color combination of sprinkles and I couldn't even find what I felt was a quality company on Etsy that would like custom do them for me because you know you can find pretty much anything on Etsy but like as a cake decorator like we're all perfectionists and so I just I wasn't feeling anything I could find online so I went out and I bought all the sprinkles and I actually like hand dyed them to get the colors I wanted and it was just like a little aha moment. I mean, I had seen like some of like the more high-end sprinkles already, but like actually getting my hands dirty and doing it. I specifically remember texting my husband one day, like the day after I did that on my way home from work. I was like, what if I like did this as a business and I sold sprinkles? And it was like crickets. Like he didn't get it. <laughs> and he wasn't enthused at all. But luckily he was like, well, it's not like you have to invest a lot of money to test it out. So that was in January and we had a trip to Paris scheduled for Valentine's Day. And so I knew I couldn't start anything prior to that because I'm kind of one of those people that, you know, when I have an idea, I just like throw myself into it completely. So I put it on hold for like three weeks and we had the business name picked out. Like literally if I sent that text message on a Tuesday, the business name was picked out on a Saturday. And Sprinkle Pop was one of the first names that I said and my husband was like no that's terrible I hate it <laughs> but I kept coming back to it and he hated all my ideas so I was like you know what this isn't your company and I love it so when we got back I started my line and I launched the website in March of 2017 and I mean it's been bonkers we did like a thousand dollars of business in our first month and I was expecting to sell like four bottles I mean holy cannoli was insane. Yeah, we kept trucking along the whole first year and then Christmas came and we did a partnership with Sweet Ams and like we just completely exploded. So and, and since then, I mean, obviously I'm, I moved out of my house. I quit my job January 1st of this year and we moved into the warehouse on May 1st and now I have a couple employees and we're just like trucking along. <laughs> You were like sprinkling like the wind, but don't sprinkle into the wind because that's like, <laughs> that's more sweeping, bad. <laughs> so that is like amazing. So let's put this into perspective though. $1,000 in your first month of operating and what's the average sale price? Like eight bucks or something? Um, most people, so our four ounce bottles go for $12 a bottle. And I would say like most people buy two bottles when they, when they buy. Right. So an average sale price of about 24 bucks. Yeah. So really relatively low sale price for like a thousand dollars represents quite a few orders. Like that's quite amazing. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was really incredible. I, no one was expecting it. I feel so fortunate. I have so many supportive people in my life and everyone's just like, go for it. And I mean, I think I will say, I feel like having really supportive people in your life, like really helps you pursue stuff like this, you know, because there's definitely roadblocks. And so having people to keep tell you like, you know, wait, but you did this last month. So don't worry about it. You know? So I really think that helped almost like push me to try harder. Yeah. It's been crazy. <laughs> 
you're totally amazing. I already love you, Liz. Okay, so so tell me this. So you've had this exponential crazy growth in the last year, really, right? Year yeah. and a bit, whatever. And so in that year, you've been so fortunate to have people who support you and whatever. But what's been like the thing that was, it sounds like right now, it's like golden child business, right? It all worked from the get-go, which is obviously not the norm for everybody. So which bit of this whole process until now has been way harder than you anticipated? Because some things were easier, right? So what was been the thing that you're like, wow, I didn't think that would be that hard and it was I think like honestly keeping up with social media because it's like if you don't post enough you die and I mean if you're trying to run a business I mean I'm keeping the books and I'm making the sprinkles and I'm chipping out the orders and it's a one-woman show for the whole first year and a couple months and I was just like and I knew that being on social media was so important but I mean where do you find the time so it's just that I still struggle with that and I wish I had the money to pay someone to do it because that would just be the ideal solution but unfortunately I mean that just cost a small fortune so I still struggle with it okay so I have a business tip for you not that you asked me for one but I'm going to give you one anyway which is that it's much cheaper to outsource your social media than you think so you actually hire rather than hire a social media management company you hire a virtual assistant which are not expensive at all. They're very reasonable considering what work they do. And you get them to run your social media for you. Rather than, I think a lot of people feel like they've got to run to a social media management company and you really don't. You can actually just use a tech savvy VA. I highly recommend, for anyone listening, I highly recommend virtual assistants to do all kinds of things. And for those of you listening who are like, what's a virtual assistant? Is that like a robot? No, it's an actual human. Mm-hmm. But the virtual part means that they don't physically sit in your business. They work from home or they work from an office or they work remotely or whatever. Like my virtual assistant lives somewhere in another state. I've never actually clapped eyes on this woman in my life. Mm-hmm. And she runs all my social media, helps me do stuff like respond to emails and, you know, create presentations and do all sorts of accounting stuff. And she does all sorts of cool stuff. So for you, Liz, and anybody else, one of the options is to use a VA for that. Yeah, I might need to pick your brain further on that later. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really cool thing, actually. It's really, really cool. I've had VAs all over the world. I've had British ones and American ones. My current one happens to be Australian, but yeah, it's a cool thing. Anyway. I think there's like a... There's like a stopping factor there because, you know, when you have your own business, you're like, do they, but do they get me? Are they going to talk on my social media? Like I would talk. So it's definitely tr- trying to find the right person. Yeah. And also you train them, right? To sound like you yeah, and to sure. whatever. There are things that I'm still control freaky about, by the way, and I don't use her for. The email sh- I let her respond to is stuff like, Michelle, when does my payment plan end? But I wouldn't, she doesn't respond to personal emails because that's important to me to do one-on-one. So that's how I got over my control freakiness, by the way second tip of the day for you is that I decided what things really had to be me and one things actually didn't have to be me and I kind of this is going to sound so macabre but I was like if I was laying in a hospital bed and couldn't use my arms and legs is there stuff in my business that someone else could do and if the answer was yes then that's what she gets to do <laughs> pretty much that's, a, that's an important point definitely something to think about yeah so the, and that's you know the social media thing it definitely feels like a little bit of a hamster wheel like once mm-hmm. you're running on it you feel like if you get off of it you're just gonna you like you said you're gonna die now that's not actually true but that's sort of what it feels like and i <laughs> feel like, the, like it now that facebook has changed all their algorithms <laughs> Yeah. And it, look, it's also a case of like, if you are somebody who does like, for example, a lot of Instagram stories, a lot of Facebook lives, people start to really love those. And the more they mm-hmm. comment on it, the more we feel they're kind of demanding it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it becomes a little bit of a chicken and egg situation. Like, mm-hmm. yay, I'm doing all these Instagram stories or yay, I'm doing all these Facebook lives or yay, whatever. Yay me, my algorithms are whatever. And then 
it just starts to feel like a burden, you know? Mm-hmm. You're like, I really, I don't know what to talk about on Instagram live today. Here's my cat. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Okay. So social media, keeping up social media, the hardest part, what's been the easiest part? Uh, the easiest part has definitely been just like creating the sprinkle mixes. I thought that I would miss cake because I don't do cake decorating really at all anymore unless I'm creating some sort of like blog content for my website. And even then it's like very minor cake decorating. But I thought I would really miss it. But I think just creating the sprinkle mixes and the color combinations and really trying to like, I really try to be unique with my stuff. I'm not trying to just rip off other sprinkle companies or, you know, I really try to stay on trend and bringing that together is so fun and easy and it's very natural for me. And it's funny because we've been traveling all over the U S right now going to cake shows and we have a TV that plays in our booth that shows like I do these like little sprinkle mixing videos. And like, I hear it all the time. They're like, you know, when you're putting the colors in, it does not look like it's going to go together. And then when you mix it, it all comes together. It looks like so perfect. And like it was made to be that way. And it's just like the best compliment because really, I mean, it does come very natural to me. And and there are certain times where I second guess like a color combination before it's done. And then it comes together. I'm just like, I knew what I was doing. (laughs) It's like that moment of validation. Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about the product a little bit. So I did some stalking. And right up front, you say over 50% of our sprinkles are dyed in-house. And you also talk about you have custom confetti shapes. Like in your unicorn mix, you have, I think it's wafer paper unicorns or whatever. Mm-hmm. I have to say, as a business advisor, I'm like, that is really labor-intensive. Why are you hand-dyeing freaking <laughs> sprinkles when you can buy that? So other than the obvious of like, you know, wanting things to be high quality, was there a point in time where you're like, yep, this is what I'm going to stand out on, the hand-dyed, this, like, how did you make the choices about the product in terms of like that kind of hand dyeing, hand cutting, hand whatever stuff? Well, I will say it's very labor intensive and like the unicorn sprinkle mix, which is hands down our bestseller year round. It's just like, I cannot, I mean, I keep it on the shelves, but I can't keep it on the shelves. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's on the production Uh, list every day, right? Yeah. It is the most labor intensive mix we have because every color in it, except for white is hand colored. And we obviously we punch all those little unicorns out by hand. So yeah, it, it is labor intensive. But one of the things when I was creating my company and kind of looking at, you know, there's not a lot of other companies like mine out there. They do exist, but the bulk of them are like Etsy shops. So I wasn't really looking at them, but some of the bigger ones um, and big is a relative word in this industry because we're all small. <laughs> I just felt like even though the, the other mixes on the market were really pretty I wanted something where people really felt like my product was custom and it's, it was the uniqueness factor was really important to me. And actually you can't just go out and buy any color sprinkle you want. So you really can only buy those like main, like vibrant rainbow colors. Like I still have yet to find a company in the U S at least that I can buy past like bulk pastel sprinkles from. So like anything that is pastel or is like an off rainbow color we have to hand color and over time obviously i've gotten quite a bit more efficient at that and so it's been easier to scale up now but the little shapes and stuff like that's really actually not scalable at all and so that is like a burden right now is trying to figure out like what shapes are important enough to keep which obviously the unicorns are and like how do we move up and scale like obviously that can't i mean it could be done in house but i'd have to hire like several minimum wage workers to just do it all the time so we're you know kind of looking into manufacturers to see who could 
create those for us. And then like maybe other, there's just a few other shapes that are worth it to me. And then I think going forward, we might, if we're going to have like really fun shapes, it would only be for like limited edition releases. Like I wouldn't make them available for wholesale or anything like that. Yeah. I guess sometimes you kind of have to make the hard, you know, it's so true that when you're a small producer, you know, punching out a thousand unicorns, no big deal. Right. But when you're suddenly punching out a million unicorns, like it's like a unicorn production line in and of itself. Yeah, it's <laughs> and some things just aren't scalable. This is actually something I talk about in one of the classes I teach, which is that I say, if your aim is to remain artisanal, handmade, one of a kind, hand dyed, whatever all these fancy words you want to use, there is a cost with that to you as a company and to the consumer. And that's a decision you have to make. Am I trying to sell more of these at a lower price? Or am I happy to be at the higher end knowing that it's going to cost me higher end to produce? Like that in itself is a business decision. Yeah. And so it's, it, we're definitely going to keep the hand dyed stuff. Like that's not going away. And, and ideally one day we'll be big enough that we can, you know, I have a favorite Franco manufacturer that I will keep a secret at the moment. Cause that's, that's fine. <laughs> but like eventually I would love to get with them and have them manufacture our custom colors. It's just that we're not quite that big enough, you know, cause their minimum orders are like 10,000 pounds or something. Yeah, something <laughs> insane. I was going to say it's something, I'm sure it's something insane. Like some, <laughs> Crazy. I was legitimately like jaw droppingly shocked at the minimums. Like, I mean, I was just not expecting the minimums to be as high as they were in, in every single area where I was trying to order bulk. It's been a learning experience. Right. It's very interesting in our industry. We have so many small producers or small to medium producers, but it's like the jump from there to there is mm. gigantic. Yeah. Like, gigantic, scary, right? Yeah, it's, it's a, definitely a barrier at the moment. Also, where the heck are you going to store all that? I mean, like, honestly. Exactly. Well, and I was to the point, especially, like, we weren't planning on moving out of the house. This, I mean, I was planning on moving out this year, but not until much, much later, like, probably closer to Christmas. And, you know, it, we got through February, and we still were, like, trucking along with sales for Valentine's Day and Easter, and things were just, like, I didn't have, like, I had already taken over two rooms in my house, and I was just to the point where I was like, I can't expand this company anymore here. Like, I, there's nothing more I can do. I'm going to be stagnant if I don't get out of the house. So, which, and it's an interesting concept because, like, once you get out of the house, then I have all this overhead. So, you know, we kind of like, we're doing really well. And now it's a little bit challenging, but we're set up now to do massive growth. Yeah, it's that whole grow or stop. Mm-hmm. Either I grow or I get out of this, like, literally grow, or I just have to stop because doing it like this is not working. Mm-hmm. right so okay so back to this the product which i'm a little bit obsessed over by the way i spent a long time on your website like a little bit <laughs> too much time but anyway so one of the things i noticed and i don't do not be offended by this but i noticed that several times in describing your sprinkle mixes you talk about taste mm-hmm. you talk about they're delicious and they don't just look good they taste good whatever now obviously taste matters right but when we look at a lot of cake industry items fondant wafer paper whatever to be honest they don't taste that good mm-hmm. and we don't really care and other than you know people personally i think fun and taste fine but lots of people don't think it tastes good don't like it whatever and the industry as a whole has really pushed to make those things better like now you can get fun and that's flavored and like this has become more of a big deal right sure. but i have to be honest here i don't give a shit what sprinkles taste like <laughs> well like i just think they look cool and that's mm-hmm. kind of it but you mention it a lot in your marketing. So is that a response to people being, oh, sprinkles always don't taste good? 
or is that it's important to you and so you wanted it to be important to them like where did that whole focus on taste come from I think no I agree I think most people don't care what they taste like especially because most of the time when you're eating them you have a mouthful of buttercream so it's, it's mostly irrelevant but when I was originally putting the product together and sourcing my sprinkles I really was like, and I'm like you, like I will eat sprinkles out of a jar. Basically I'm addicted to sugar. So like anything that has sugar in it, like I will just eat it. It doesn't Me matter. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm like, bring it, bring it. <laughs> but the original product that I was using, it was a really great product for coloring. It really took on the dye like really evenly, which is really important to me. But I just really, it was almost less about the taste and more about the mouthfeel when I'm eating a whole spoonful of sprinkles. <laughs> and they just left like that really greasy aftertaste that I just really didn't like it. And so I went out and I tried like a ton of different sprinkles. And I finally found, when I tasted the ones that I use now, I was just like, oh my God, these taste amazing. Like these are addictive. And so it was just like, from there on, I, any sprinkle that I can use from that company, I will. And then even like, I'll tell you, like we have sixlets in our mixes and as that's something that's like industry standard for the artisan sprinkles companies. And I really agonized over adding those because I think sixlets taste disgusting. Like that, my personal thing is like, I just don't like that specific chocolate taste that's in them. But I did a little like market research and I talked to a lot of people in the cake industry and just like a lot of friends and family, like really like a ton of people. And the overwhelming majority was just like, oh my God, I love sixlets. And so it took other people being like, yeah, they're delicious for me to add those because I really don't want to put out a product that I don't think is fantastic. You know, like it's a reflection on me personally. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I actually do think taste matters. I just think that a sprinkle is the kind of thing that like, I actually think it's admirable that you're like, taste matters. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it always matters, like, to a certain point. Like, it matters a little on some things. It matters more on other things. And like you said, like, some people don't like fondant. And I've yet to taste a fondant that, like, really, like, turned me off. Like, it just, like, it tastes like sugar to me. So Yeah, it tastes like sugar to me, too. I don't know why people, fondant gets a bad rap. I don't it get It really that. does. It really does. <laughs> It's weird, right? Anyway, so, but I was asking about the sprinkle thing only because I will admit that when I look at these amazing sprinkles on a product, on a cookie, on a cupcake, on a whatever, I'm not, flavor doesn't really bother me. Texture probably bothers me more than mm-hmm. it. I'm like, how is a mouthful of crunchy things all that good? Yeah. But I like <laughs> texture, so it's not, you know, but I often wonder that about these things. But mm-hmm. I have noticed one of the advantages of the sprinkle mixes that you guys create is that less is more. Like you don't need... Yeah to dip the whole top of the damn cupcake in it for it to look good. You really can just use a little bit around the edge or whatever. And it's amazing. Mm -hmm. I need you to solve a great sprinkle mystery. (laughs) I actually know the answer to this, but everybody I tell them the answer, they're like, that's not real. Is it true or false that the inside of the silver bars, you know, the metallic silver bars, the ones that are like a little bit longer than normal. So maybe they're like half inch or whatever. Is it true that on the inside of them is uncooked spaghetti? That is accurate. <laughs> that is like my favorite fun fact when we go to cake shows because everyone looks at them. I think they're a relatively undiscovered product in the US. So I know that like in the UK and even I see them like in Australia when I like on my Instagram feed, I see them all the time there. But like in the US, like people really haven't seen them still. And so like people come to cake shows and they're like, what are these? And like, how do you use them? And I mean, to be honest, I use them in sprinkle mixes, but like by themselves, I'm not sure like, 
however you want, obviously. But I always, I'm like, did you know that the middle of this is uncooked spaghetti? And honestly, like, they're like addicting to eat. Of course, they're the most expensive sprinkles we have. <laughs> well, they're, they're quite big. So, you know. Yeah. But like, I can't stop. I love raw spaghetti. I always have. So like, if that's something that you liked, like as a kid or whatever, it's just sugar-coated spaghetti. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> what could be better? So I discovered that a couple of months back. Actually, here in Australia, I discovered that a couple of months. I'm like, okay, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and also, who was the genius who was like, I'm going to just coat spaghetti in sugar and then make it silver. Like, who thinks of this cool stuff? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, like, I want to know. I think it's cool. Anyhow, okay, so I also noticed, apropos of how and when to use sprinkles, I also noticed that on the Sprinkle Pop website, you have a blog. And the blog gives people, I have to say, quite genius ideas for how to use sprinkle mixes. Like, you recently had, like, the peach ice cream sandwiches and all this kind of stuff. Writing a blog is not easy. And for you, it requires time to go bake, take photos, whatever, whatever, whatever. Is that, did you make that choice to create a blog like for SEO purposes, just because you like to bake and it was like way to keep your hand in? Is it purely a marketing tool where you're like, yep, this is how to use sprinkles in ways alternative to what you might think? Why you do it? It is purely a marketing tactic. So, you know, it's hard enough to drive people to your website from social media. Like you think that that's easy, but it's really not. And I actually, from your class in the Cake Success Mentor series, you know, you talked about email traffic and how important was it in building your list. And so I did a really good job building my list, but I was having trouble like really pointing people to the website and getting them to actually click over. And so I knew I added the blog pretty early on and it's been pretty successful. Unfortunately, I don't get to post as much as I want, but when I do post, it's like instant sales. And I mean, it just like, it gets people to click over your website and then they remember, oh, hey, I did like these sprinkles and oh, hey, I have this event coming up and this sprinkle mix is perfect. So yeah, it's purely a marketing tactic, but it is fun because it gives me a way to still bake and be creative as well. Right. So that's what I would call value add in terms of it does it has two purposes one obviously it educates people on how to use a product in a way they probably haven't thought of before two it's providing them with a recipe and a concept and something they can try so that's immediate value to them like oh i've bought these what am i going to do with them oh this is what i can do with them and so they're kind of getting something for nothing Mm -hmm. and then three drive sales so you know and seo and all that kind of other good stuff it has for a company like yours it has multiple good marketing juju in it i have to say yeah. And it's something like I thought I, I did really good at the beginning of the year when I quit my job and I was doing like one every 10 days or so. Cause you know, it takes, I mean, it takes a lot of time to do the baking, all the photography and everything and con- conceptualizing it. And, and now, you know, it's business is picked up. So it's like, I don't have as much time, but it sucks because I have all these like ideas of things I want to do and then I don't get around to them. And then maybe like the season has passed. I have to wait like a whole year. <laughs> You're like, damn, there went my Valentine plan. Oh. <laughs> I have to tell you for Christmas last year. So my brother does like 3D printing and he's like computer engineer genius. And I was like, I want to make a cake that is shaped like a present box. But I want something that is like spring loaded on the inside. When I lift off the box of the cake, sprinkles quite literally explode out of it. And this is going to be my blog post for December. Okay. <laughs> and it was such an awesome idea. And I was even like, I didn't even care how big of a mess it made. I was just like, this is going to be awesome for social media, for videos. Like, and I just like, it was such a huge undertaking. and I just had to scrap it. So maybe this year. <laughs> I feel like that is a really great idea, but like something you send to someone you hate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, they have those like glitter, they're like spring-loaded glitter. Glitter bombs, yeah. And I was like, I just, I feel like if I created one with sprinkles, like I, 
I don't know why, but I feel like people would just buy it because they thought it was funny. Yeah, I feel like I would buy that. <laughs> I totally would. And I would like get my dog to like lick up the mess so I don't have to sweep. Oh my gosh, can I tell you? I, so I have three dogs and like working in a house with food is complicated with pets. Fortunately in Texas, like our cottage food laws actually allow for pets as long as like your food is like separated when you're working and everything. But so, you know, we have sprinkles all over the floor all the time. So once everything's put away, like... I kept thinking my dogs would eat the sprinkles and they have like no interest in it. <laughs> like, what are they good for? They're like, I don't need no uncooked silver pasta. Okay, mom. <laughs> Maybe that's a good thing. Otherwise you have dogs like pooping out like glittery. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it would just not be pretty is what I'm saying. <laughs> my god this is a i'm gonna go down this track and this is a bat everybody i'm sorry i just gave you that imagery please wipe it from your mind okay all right so you mentioned before that obviously you're not the only one out there doing this right and so that's a major issue in our industry is competition and whatever i personally don't think it's an issue i think it's a good thing but anyway so what is your feeling on that in the sprinkle world because obviously sprinkle mixes are becoming more popular you know that you're not the only one doing it like is it the same for you guys as it is for us it's so interesting because you know on the one hand you everyone tells you to put on blinders and just do your thing and be the best at what you do but you know when you're running the business and it's all yours it's really hard not to like see what someone else is doing and see how that reflects on your business and what are you not doing that they might be doing that you think is a good idea, but you don't know if you can do it because it might be copying them. And it definitely, it weighs on me personally a lot. I can't speak for the other people in the industry. I do know recently that I was talking to one of my friends in the cake industry and I was like, I just looked at this girl's website and she just made her prices exactly the same as much. I just thought that was so funny. So it's like, I know people are watching me, and there's definitely competition, but I think because there's not, there's definitely not as many of us. So it's not quite as cutthroat as I think some other areas could be. <laughs> yeah. I feel like when you work with sprinkles, you have to be cheerful. Yeah. I think in general, like I do agree, like there's room for everyone. It's just that like, I'm the kind of person where like, I want to be on top. So yeah, there's room for the competitors, but I need to be number one and I'm going to get there eventually. <laughs> There we go. Okay. Well, you know what? This is a good thing. If competition is what drives you forward, that's not a bad thing. I actually think it's a good thing. I just had this conversation, literally just had this conversation yesterday, I think it was, with somebody who said that people are constantly copying her. She said, look, I get grumpy and I get irritated, but then it drives me to constantly innovate. And yeah. she says, I don't know if without that I would bother to innovate. Yeah. So it was a good point, actually, right? She was like, look, I do get grumpy and irritated. But then I'm like, you know what? This is just driving me further. So that's not a bad thing. It's funny because like when things bother me, my husband's like, just ignore it. It doesn't matter. I'm like, I'll get over it. Like, it's fine. Like, I'll be fine in a day or two. I just like, for now, I just need to like take it in and I'm going to be upset about it for like 30 minutes and then I'll move on and then I'll be fine. I need to be irritated about this right now, sweetheart. Okay. Just like throw chocolate at me and then we can talk about it later. (laughs) Right? Okay, so on that whole competition front, what do you say to people who tell you that this whole sprinkle mix thing is just a fad? I mean, I'm, ge- I'm guessing you disagree. All right, I'm guessing you disagree, I but... I disagree with that. And it's so funny because actually there is a national radio station in Houston, uh, not Houston, in the US called NPR. Mm-hmm. And we got a feature on there last Christmas. They actually aired it on Christmas Eve. And she actually interviewed like a food trend expert something and that even that person was like, you know, sprinkles are not going away. So this business is highly sustainable. I mean, if you think about how long sprinkles have been around, you know, 
it is an artisan sprinkle, so it's not like something that everyone's going to go out and buy, but there's always going to be a need for sprinkle because there are always people, A, like there's like the lazy cake decorator who's like a stay-at-home mom or whatever, who's I guess not technically a cake decorator, but I mean, there's so many applications for it and like everyone bakes for the most part, especially like Christmas. It's just, I mean, sprinkles and Christmas are like synonymous in my mind at least. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think one of the things is it has multiple applications. Like yeah. for me, you can put a sprinkle on a cake or a cupcake or a donut or roll a pretzel rod in it or ice cream or like it has multiple uses. It's not just yeah. one product thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so sprinkles not a fad. I mean, I feel like sprinkles themselves are not a fad, but maybe the fact that we now do so many mixes, you know, who knows where that's going to lead though, right? Who knows where that's going to come next? Yeah, I just like, I really don't think it's a fad. And in fact, like, you know, as the market grows, obviously the price will come down at some point. So it's just going to make it a more accessible product. And if you're, say, standing in a grocery store and you're looking at a jar of rainbow jimmies and you're looking at a jar of my sprinkles, you're going to choose my sprinkles every time. Well, because they're cool. Hello. <laughs> right? Okay. So that, thank you, leads me to my next question, which is what is next for Sprinkle Pop? Is it getting into retail stores? Is it just expanding the range? What's next? I do. I really want to expand my lines. One of the things that we're focusing on this year is promoting our quote unquote winners. And so like, for example, like our unicorn sprinkle mix is the hot seller. And so I'm going to be capitalizing on that. And we're going to be releasing an entire unicorn line, hopefully in the next couple months. And then other than that, like as far as like expanding the line, and then we obviously are looking to grow the company and really direct to consumer sales is not the way to grow your company. It's really, it's important aspect of my business and it will never go away, but we are really looking to grow on a, a very large scale. So we'll be approaching hopefully like Michael's and Hobby Lobby and grocery stores. We really want to be like in as many places as possible. So that's really my goal this year is to just create as much new wholesale accounts as I can. And one of the things that I tell people, you know, cause we're growing at a rate that sometimes feels like it's insurmountable, but I think a true entrepreneur, it's like you just take the order and you figure it out. And I have done that since day one and it hasn't failed me yet. (laughs) So that's the plan. Yeah. Well, you just, you have to learn to roll with it, right? Yeah. I mean, it just, I don't know. Like I, and I'm like, I like to be like a problem solver kind of person. So like sometimes when things are presented to us, like we have something in the works right now that I can't talk about, but it's it's like a really big opportunity for us. And I'm like, I don't know how we're going to fill this order. And my husband's like, doesn't matter. You'll figure it out. I'm like, you're right. And it's just like, I'm just going to stay up all night thinking about it like all the time, but I'll figure it out and we'll make it work. And it'll, it'll be worth it in the end, no matter how many extra hours I have to work. Yeah. Well, you know, I like to say everything is figure outable. Mm-hmm. I mean, the truth is it is right. And then, you know, the other part of that too, is that they say the definition of an entrepreneur is somebody who jumps out of an airplane and builds the parachute on the way down. That's perfect. That's the perfect example. Yeah, well, I think that's what we're all doing every day, which I think also, if I can relate this back to the emotional side of the industry we work in, there's a lot of us out there feeling like imposters. You ever heard of imposter syndrome where like you feel like you have no idea what you're doing and people are going to figure that out about you and expose you as a fraud, right? Mm -hmm. And the truth is all of us are imposters. Nobody knows what the heck they're doing and we're all just figuring it out day to day. I like don't. That, that's exactly how I, I mean, I don't have kids, but that's exactly how I feel about parenting. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have kids. I'll tell you it's exactly that. I just hope I'm doing the right thing by them. Can I tell you I am for sure? I don't know about that. 
you know, I mean, I really don't know about that. I hope I'm doing the right thing by them. I think I am. I'm obviously basing it off knowledge and information I have acquired along the way, but we're all hey, just kind of faking it. Right? Yeah. I mean, we're all just kind of faking it and hope it turns out all right in the end. That, that's about it. You know, there is nobody who is the definitive expert on anything, including the experts. And if they say that, I don't want to talk to them anyway, because I think we're all still learning. Well, it's so true. And like, it, it really does apply to everything in every industry. Because even when I was like in the oil industry, and you look at these people who are like CEOs. And I was fortunate I was in a small company. So I had direct access to those types of people. And you're like, how did you get there? Like, you're so smart. But like, they were me one day, you know, like, it's oh, yeah. just experience and learning. And even they are, you know, second guessing themselves on their decisions and stuff. So I had a fascinating conversation recently with somebody in the who works in the food industry who has worked for like really big companies, Haagen-Dazs and Cadbury and Coca-Cola and whatever. And I was chatting to him and I said, like, how did you even get here? And he's like, oh, well, when I was 18, I started to like washing dishes in a kitchen near my house. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, <laughs> it was yeah. almost like I wanted some like way bigger story than that. And there was no bigger story. It was like I just yeah. started at the beginning and then I figured it out as I went along. I was like, oh, all right. Okay. That's the best kind of story though, because that gives everyone hope. <laughs> right? It was a very funny, like, I was like, oh, and he was so like, matter of fact about it. He's like, oh yeah. So then I just, I really liked food. And so I just like kind of kept going. And then he worked for TGF Fridays, you know, you know that. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, and like, they had this management program. So like, I kind of did that. And then like, it was so unassuming. And I was like, oh my God, really? The truth <laughs> is we all start at the very beginning and we just figure it out as we go along. Yep. What else are we going to do? Right? So I'll ask everybody this, because I think it's a really great question. If you weren't owning and running Sprinkle Pop, what would you be doing? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would still be working at my corporate job and I was working in uh, finance and treasury, but God, I cannot see myself doing anything else. Honestly, I remember like when I quit my job, it was quite literally the happiest day of the past like several years <laughs> for me. I wouldn't say happiest day of my life because I mean, I have to reserve that for like, I guess my wedding day and stuff like that, but <laughs> It's okay. I won't uh, tell anyone. Shh. It's just <laughs> me and the 3,000 people listening to us. It's okay. We won't tell them. Hubby, don't but listen. It, it is really hard to think about what you would be doing because, I, you know, before I started Sprinkle Pop, I really wanted to expand my cake business. And I did want to do that full time at some point. Um, and I wanted to be a like wedding cake designer. And I was heading towards there. I mean, I was getting the clients I wanted and everything. But as soon as this came along, it was just like, this is my calling. Like, this is what I was meant to do. And like, it's the perfect marriage of you know the cake decorating industry which I've always been involved in and business which is just it's so interesting to me to be able to to problem solve and build this business and kind of figure it out as I go and it's just like every day is interesting so I can't imagine not doing it <laughs> yeah you well you started down one path found a door and walked through it exactly you know, it doesn't mean that the other path was bad. It just means that was then and this is now. And who knows, as you walk down this path, you might find another door and walk through that one. Mm -hmm. Who knows? I mean, I think that's kind of the exciting part about owning your own business is that you just never know the direction you're going to start in, start at rather, or the direction you're starting towards. And then you kind of go, oh, there's this other thing. Well, this other thing is pretty awesome. I spoke to somebody today, actually, who started out as a cake business and is now a custom chocolatier. So you know, sometimes things start one way and another way. It's all just one great adventure. You just need to learn to ride it and not lose your mind along the way, pretty much. Yeah, that is key. <laughs> well, I'm a good example of this. I thought I'd be a cake maker for not forever, but for quite a long time. And now I'm not anymore because I opened a door and I walked through it. So there you go, right? 
but you're still cake adjacent. <laughs> I am still cake adjacent. Yeah. Okay. So Liz came up with this brilliant word. I was telling her that on the podcast this season, I'm trying to really get in touch with people who are not immediately cake makers from the get-go because I think it's really great to talk to people who are in our industry but kind of not in our industry and then I decided that sounded really bad and she's like I call them cake adjacent I'm like oh this is the perfect word ever and I am stealing this expression now (laughs) so just so you know I'm thieving that like straight up from you you're welcome to have it okay also can I have some sprinkles yeah I'll send you sprinkles (laughs) so I'm very excited to tell you guys who are listening to this that I'm interviewing Liz because I'm interested in her product and her and all that kind of stuff but also because coming up next month we are doing a collaboration of a big fat massive sprinkle giveaway because I feel like we need to give away sprinkles and that's an amazing thing so you get a signed copy of my book which is not that exciting because the exciting (laughs) part is that from Liz you are getting this massive sprinkle pack of 12 different mixes and the freaking cool part is that she's posting those or mailing those globally. So it is going to be open worldwide. You too can own your little tiny slice of the business of baking and your giant box of cool sprinkle pop sprinkles. So keep an eye out on that because we will both be promoting that across social media and in our newsletters and whatever. And we want loads and loads of people to enter because you get two lots of awesome at once. I feel like you can sit in the sunshine and read my book while you feed yourself a bowl of sprinkles that you eat with a spoon as though it was cereal. And this will make your life complete, right? Because you're going to like read the book, you'll be like all inspired. And then because you ate all that sugar and the amazing sprinkles, you're going to close the book and have all this energy to like run out and do all the things. This Sprinkle is all the things. Yes. Sprinkle all the things. This is genius, right? This is the smartest collaboration in the history of collaborations. Learn how to run a business and then be rocket fueled by awesome sprinkle mixes or even better, use those in your creations and sell them as unique and amazing. And you can say to people, even the sprinkles taste good, Mm -hmm. right? Taste matters. I often say to people, Liz, that if something looks good, people will buy it once. If it tastes good, they'll buy it twice. Mm -hmm. Right? We buy with our eyes the first time, but we buy with our eyes and our stomachs the second time. I would agree with that. So keep an eye out for the Sprinkle Pop Cross Business of Baking promo that's coming up in a couple of weeks. We are giving away lots and lots and lots of sprinkles. And I promise you they were not swept up from the floor. They are legitimately fresh and beautiful and amazing. <laughs> in case, like I get the ones off the floor because I'm very not discerning <laughs> when it comes to, when it comes, I'm like, oh, it's not so much the five second rule as it is like the four hour rule. I'm like, oh, that still looks good. We're good. Thank you so much, Liz, for being a part of this podcast. It's been a pleasure to talk to you today. I want you to leave me with a parting thought. If somebody is listening to this thinking, hey, that's a good idea. I'd like to start a cake adjacent business. What would you say to them? I would say surround yourself with people that support you and move forward and don't look back. Just do it. As that lovely shoe company said. (laughs) Exactly. Well, really, that's it, right? Just get on with it. Yep. You just got to go after it and... Figure it out as you go. <laughs> Figure it out. And none of us really know what we're doing, right? We don't. You know what? If we did, would it be as much fun? I don't think so. I mean, no, like really half the fun is figuring out why you do it. And then when you're successful at something, you're like, yes, I'm awesome. Right? I'm with you on this. This is why we now need to be besties in real life. Right. We now need to be best friends in real life. Also, <laughs> please bring sprinkles. Thanks so much, Liz, for your time today. Keep an eye out for the Sprinkle Pop giveaway that I'll be doing in a couple of weeks. You will see lots about it because I will be peppering the entire internet world with sprinkle pictures. I feel like this is an excuse for me to sprinkle all the things. And so that's what I'm going to do. I really appreciate your time today, Liz. Thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links, and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.